0: Hi, it's Jade, and I really cannot recommend more strongly, or I guess I should say strongly recommend, I strongly recommend that after this interview with Salika, you go and listen to a podcast, The Colored Go Beautiful. It's touching, it's poignant, it's beautiful, and as a black woman who's more or less their target audience, I can say, honestly, it's a good time. She tells you to listen to it at the very end of the interview, so make sure to stay tuned and listen to the end, and speaking of the interview, it's coming right up. And you're about to listen to episode nine of On Their Way. And remember, this is a WGC production. The Colored Girl Beautiful is a narrative podcast exploring the beautiful juxtapositions of black womanhood using the 1916 book, The Colored Girl Beautiful. In each episode, host Asalika Smith writes a letter to the author about her experience of reading the book. In her letters, Asalika also shares conversations she's had with the other Black women about various topics like love, strength, vulnerability, and ambition. Hi, Asalika. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? I'm also doing pretty well. I'm I'm doing really well, actually. So I'm just going to hop right into it. This is the first question I ask everybody. So where do you come from and where are your boots?
1: I come from... West Virginia. (laughs) Um, I I was born and raised in a little town in in West Virginia, Southern West Virginia, right next to Ohio. So that's where some of my family is now. That's probably where I feel most at home, even though I would never live there again. (laughs) Um, But it will always be home for me. It is beautiful. And I get warm fuzzies
0: being there. Oh. Okay. That sounds really nice. So can you just tell our audience and me what exactly it is that you do? How would you describe what you do? So by
1: trade, I manage a a database. I work at a university in the IT department, but I am also a storyteller. I enjoy telling stories. I enjoy listening to stories. I find it very cathartic. And I I really appreciate the exposition that reading and talking about our stories allows us.
0: Okay. Before I hop into the next question, I just want to ask, so how do you balance the time between working IT at the university and then producing the Color Girl Beautiful, which is your podcast?
1: Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I work during the day, so nine to five, I'm on the clock and I spend all of the rest of my waking hours working on my show. (laughs) Um, It's really difficult. I mean, I work a full-time job. I have a job that's fairly intense. I love my work, but it's heavy work too. It's not the sort of thing that you can check in and out of very easily. But I am fortunate in that my boss is is really into work-life balance. So I am very much able to stop working at five without any questions, but I do, you know, I have to give all of my mental capacity to my job during the day. So I push my podcast work to the evenings and the weekends. I'm also fortunate to work with a producer who helps me sort of keep things in line and manages some of the communications and helps me get the stories together. I think that's the biggest thing is we do a lot of that work together, so it helps ease some of that burden.
0: Mm. Okay. I had questions about you and Nicole's artistic partnership, and we'll get to those later. Before we do that, <laughs> can you just sort of tell us what The Colored Girl Beautiful is in your own words and how it went from being a part of your thesis project to being an actual full-fledged podcast?
1: Yeah. So it really came about because I was taking a class and a classmate of mine had used this book in one of her projects as an inspiration for one of her projects and I had never heard of it before and so I looked it up immediately I realized it was you know this really old text over 100 years old that was even outside of copyright law and I just was absolutely fascinated that something like this existed that I had had no idea of its existence before what I think I was 29 when I discovered <laughs> it or something like that, you know, like I'm a whole adult and I had no idea that this was a thing, you know, I was really frustrated that this hadn't come across in my education at all, uh, not even in college or in my, in my home life, you know, that that's not the sort of thing that we focused on at my house.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it was so wild that this thing existed that I had no Idea was a thing. And so, that sort of passion of learning about this book and this woman is what drove me to want to use it for my thesis and what still continues to drive me to create this content, even though I've since graduated. But it's been a way for me to explore, you know, some of the things that I've thought and felt as a young woman, growing up, as an adult. trying to make sense of the world. It's given me sort of a a starting point for those, for processing some of the, the things that I've experienced in life, both when I was younger and today.
0: Okay. And the first season is now done. You're currently working on the second. So could you share with us what your favorite episode from season one was and why that is?
1: Yeah. So I go back and forth. I I think for me, I'm sure my answer was different the last time someone asked me this question, but um, because as I'm writing, you know, I'm reflecting on what I've already written. And so episode one of season one is probably my favorite as of today. Okay, <laughs> That might change tomorrow, but as of today, it's episode one is my favorite because that's when I sort of talked about my sort of perceptions of what it means to be a woman and what it means to be Black and how those things sort of formed for me as a kid. It was a really fun episode to tape. I always love listening to it mm-hmm. because it is both ridiculous and 100% true. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, episode episode one is, is probably my favorite.
0: Now you brought up how that might change. And this episode was recorded, well, I don't, I was, Put out almost a a year and some change ago, and I don't know when it was recorded necessarily. But has your perception of Black womanhood changed since that first episode was recorded, especially since you've been doing this project about Black womanhood?
1: Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I, I don't know that it has changed so much as it has grown. It has expanded, I think as a result of doing this work. But, you know, one of the things I really love about producing this show is that I get to talk to a lot of Black women about their Black womanhood, which of course is not necessarily the same as mine, but is also at the same time, very similar. (laughs) You know, there's, there's some thread that I can't even still like wrap my head around that we all share while being completely different from one another. And so, Every time I talk with someone, every time I do an interview, when I sit back and think of the conversations I've had, I get to see one more story, one more shade of black, you know, one more idea of what it means to be a woman and how that affects us and um, contributes to our life experiences. And sometimes it's frustrating and it's also wonderful. And, you know, it's just this beautiful, complicated thing.
0: And was that the impetus for uh, season two of The Color Girl Beautiful, which as far as I'm aware from my research is about uh, the stories of Black women just in general, specifically with queer women and Black trans women? Is that sort of what led to that as well?
1: Well, season two is, it's still focused on Black womanhood overall, but I did want to make sure to include voices that we did not hear in in season one. And so I, I wanted to make sure that the the type of people whose story we were telling was not exactly the same. I didn't want to leave anyone out because I mean, the terms black and womanhood are both sort of fraught with lots of connotations. uh, Most definitely. Yes. Yeah. That people project onto them. And so I just, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't leaving anyone out, but the show overall is still focused on this idea of what that means. And so it's ever growing in my mind and i I want to be a part of the conversation that helps expand that for other people as well if if I can I'm not you know I don't think that everything has to be about race I know that's probably ridiculous to say for a woman who literally produces <laughs> a show about <laughs> black women in particular <laughs> um but i i I don't think that everything has to be about race per se but It does affect our perspective and the way that we experience life. So I don't think that it's something that can be left out the same way. You know, Black women are not the only women who experience adversity. You know, Mm -hmm. we are not the only women who experience oppression. Uh, But there is something specific about our experience that I I, I want to be a part of documenting. And then there's, you know, all these other layers to, ability, sexuality, uh, gender expression that give all of those things a different perspective and even more different perspective. So I just want to be inclusive. That's the that's the short of it.
0: <laughs> I understand. I understand completely and I appreciate the short end of it and the long end of it. Yeah. Are you currently in production for season 2? I am in production for season 2, yes. Can you tell us how that's going, especially in this time of virtual production due to COVID?
1: Yeah, you know what? It's it's going. It's not as Fluid as I would like. I am. I was talking with some of my friends from grad school about this, about how writing is a thing that I enjoy having done, but I do not enjoy doing it.
0: <laughs> it
1: it's so painful for me. For me, it's just like this slog. I'm always dreading it, I am elated when it's finished. And doing it is absolutely excruciating. So there's some of that happening. (laughs) And, you know, for me, I, I, it would be a lot simpler if I were doing like a chat cast where I'm just like talking with people, but there is, I mean, writing baked into every single piece of the show. Mm -hmm. And so like, there's, there's no getting around this sit down, stare at a blank screen and figure out what to say. And so it's going, Um, but that is just the nature of writing for me.
0: Uh, Can I ask you a question? Uh, Well, that's what we're doing, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) one of the things that I really enjoyed about season one of the color girl beautiful was the fact that it was in a letter format. Mm -hmm. And I just want to know, like how did you come up with that being the like the central form of the show?
1: Yeah. Well, first I, I had tried just sort of writing about it. And found that, at least at the time, and probably because I was new at it, that I wasn't good at it. <laughs> <So> <laughs> when I was just when I would just write and record or you know, record my tracking of of what I had written, it was just not interesting to listen to at all. So mm-hmm. I started exploring ways to change that. and i it occurred to me to Like, I thought about, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, uh, like, epistolary novels. I am, yes. Um, Yeah, so I thought, like, oh, that would be a really great way to make it less boring. If I'm talking to someone, Mm -hmm. you know, it could come across a bit more naturally. And so I started exploring that, and and then I, I came up with the idea to write a letter to
0: the author, and here we are. And here we are. Okay, uh, just a question for me: How many seasons do you see the color go beautiful having? In,
1: that's a great question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I'm not sure.
1: I, you know, I I love doing this work. I feel like I learn so much about myself and doing it, and about the things that are like meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. And as I'm I'm writing for season two, I, I ask myself that same question. The short answer is that I don't know, but. I also do know that I want to continue this work in some way. I think this is an important conversation. It's definitely something I am not at all done discussing. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know that for sure. Will that further discussion be in the form of a podcast? Possibly will it be this specific podcast? Maybe? I I don't know. I I don't think I can know for sure until I finish this season and sort of see
0: where things fall. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do a slight pivot to you and uh, Nicole Hill, who's the show's producer. So how is it working? You've already kind of discussed it because you just go more in depth with how it is working with a artistic and creative partner and what that is sort of like on the day-to-day basis.
1: Yeah. Nicole is an absolute godsend. (laughs) Mm -hmm. First of all, she is amazing at what she does. She does some production work outside of the colored girl beautiful. She has first of all her own podcast, which everyone should definitely go download right this second. It's called "The Secret Adventures of Black People." It's amazing, and so she herself is a wonderful storyteller. And I really lucked out <laughs> being able to work with her. We we met entirely by chance. We always say that we met through podcast magic. Um, because mm-hmm. We don't have uh, mutual friends, like we we don't. You know, like we just didn't know anything about one another or anything either one of us knows, anyone that e- either one of us knows. It was just kismet. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we met sort of randomly when I'd been looking for an editor, but it's really it's really helpful. It really helps to have someone to bounce ideas off of, to have someone outside of myself who can offer commentary. But it's it's really nice to have someone to bounce ideas off of and to help me see what I'm not really able to see because I'm so close to the material, to have mm-hmm. a go-to person to say like, mm, that doesn't make sense. Or this is really great, you know, do more with this or, or whatever. I 100% recommend it to anyone. If you have a Nicole, I, I recommend that you make good use of that. Uh, partnership because it's it really makes work a lot easier. Writing is still excruciating for me, but <laughs> to have someone who will objectively say this is good or this needs work
0: is invaluable. Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of feeds into my next question. So, how exactly do you and have you gone about fostering a creative community within the podcasting world?
1: Well, I mean, some of that is a little bit built in uh, the show. Right around the time I started recording tape in earnest, um, the show was selected as a part of the Google Podcast Creators program. My show, along with five others, were a part of that first cohort, and so, you know, we're a group, and and we like to keep in touch. and And the program also has offered some resources to us and some opportunities to connect with other people. So I keep in touch with with those folks. I am a part of um, like a few listservs specifically for women podcasters, for podcasters in general. I subscribe to all of the podcast newsletters to, you know, like just keep abreast of what's going on in the podcast world. Um, but it's it's largely, you know, fostering those relationships. Oh, I'm also a member of Air Media Mm. and what's the other one? Oh gosh. Uh, The Podcast Academy. Um, And so those are places that offer really great resources for people who work in audio, in public radio, um, you know, who are podcasters that provide sort of ready-made spaces for community. So I try to keep up with all those ways and and stay plugged in to, to some degree.
0: And as you mentioned, you were part of the inaugural cohort for the Google mm-hmm. Podcast Creators program. So can you kind of tell us what was the most valuable thing you learned from that experience and how that's affected you so far?
1: There was a lot about storytelling that I hadn't really been able to you know, I just didn't have the the knowledge about how to to form and, and how to how to tell a good story in a podcast. I am a self What is the word? I'm a I'm a podcast junkie. I I refer to myself often as a podcast junkie. So I listen to a lot of audio content and Mm -hmm. I really am particular about like the type of stories that I consume on a regular basis. And I really felt like the program helped me get closer to being able to tell the type of stories that I like to hear. You know, stories that have some depth and some meaning and are, are a little bit more layered. I'm definitely, I'm not an expert by any means, but I've, I've been able to get closer, definitely more so, you know, than I was before with no formal training
0: in audio at all. <laughs> okay. And, well, I'm gonna, I have a couple of questions, so I'm gonna ask this okay. one first. So, what are you listening to now as a self-proclaimed podcast junkie? What's really inspiring you? And, Keeping your headphones busy. So
1: I I pretty much consistently listen to the Daily and uh, Today Explained because uh, that's how I get most of my news. Although I've had to I've had to reel it in a little bit because it's been a little bit overwhelming. <laughs> so I've I I don't listen every day uh, quite like I used to, but I listen a lot of the time. I really enjoy Radiolab. I really enjoy Reply All. I enjoy Every Little Thing. I like The Secret Adventures of Black People. <laughs> uh, genuinely. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not just saying that because I know Nicole. I'm saying it because it's a genuinely wonderful show. What else do I listen to? Oh, Natal. Oh my gosh. What Natal is about... Uh, black motherhood, essentially. And Ooh. I am not a mother, but I am obsessed <laughs> with these stories <laughs> um, from Black women about their experiences of being a mother, experiences of giving birth. I mean, they're beautiful. They're well done. It's a, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing show.
0: No doubt. Yeah, okay. okay. Definitely recommend um...
1: everybody check it out. Yeah, I think that's a good cross-section of of my
0: listening (laughs) habits. Well, I've definitely added some things to my personal to listen list. I do have a question, however. So you did mention how you kind of dialed back listening to some more daily news shows because it's been overwhelming. And I noticed that on uh, the Color Girl Beautiful's Instagram on June 10th, you posted a, or you or whoever runs the account posted a post talking about how it's just been sort of overwhelming existing in a time where... Uh, with the murders of so many black people. And there've been more since that post was posted, like how it's just been overwhelming. And I just want to know, like how are you finding the motivation to create and finding the motivation to be invested in these creative processes in a time that is so genuinely uh, overwhelming?
1: Well, I mean, it's an outlet for me, you know, I being, being able to create and to tell these stories allows me to not fall into oblivion, (laughs) I think otherwise, if I didn't have something to occupy my mind, I i mean, I don't know what I would do. It's, it's really helped me to be able to focus and to have some hope and to remind myself that, you know, I have meaningful work to do. I've also, in addition to doing my own work, I've been consuming a lot of work by other Black women who help me to maintain that hope and to maintain that drive and to continue to work and do the things that I enjoy so that I don't just give up because sometimes it's just heavy. (laughs) Sometimes I do, you know, I feel like, gosh, is this going to get better? Are we, are we making progress? You know, but I've been trying to use my work as a way to motivate myself to sort of create the future that I want to see.
0: I mean, yeah, no, that completely makes sense. Actually, a lot of your work does remind me of Zora Neale Hurston's work from when she was doing her anthropological and folklore research, when she would be recording people. It reminds oh me a lot god, of that. Oh my god, that's and literally
1: so, the most amazing thing anyone's ever done to compare me to Zora <laughs> Neale Hurston. I can die happy woman. This is
0: amazing. <laughs> it, it just it reminds me a lot of it, especially with what you want to do with season two, with recording people's yeah. stories. It just... I can definitely see where it falls and like the sort of lineage of black of black women storytellers. It's very it's very
1: yeah. nice. Well, I'm I'm inspired by so many black women,
0: so I really
1: appreciate that comparison. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> yes, of course. So on September 13th of last year, the color girl beautiful was featured in the New York Times. So can you tell us how that felt and what what was going through your mind when you? First oh my saw god, it? that was absolutely wild. So what happened
1: is I, I don't even, I can't even, honestly, I don't, I don't even know all of the things that had the stars that had to align that put me (laughs) in Phoebe Lett's site. But she reached out to me, Phoebe Lett from the New York Times reached out to me and was like, Hey, I think someone had told her about my podcast. And I, you know, I get emails. I have this like general inbox that I get emails to, and I thought the first thing I thought was, "Is this spam?" <laughs> but it was not, but Phoebe had genuinely gotten you know wind of my show from someone that she knew and just reached out to me like, "Hey, we want to put this in the New York Times. Is that cool? Uh yeah, yeah, definitely is, please do, <laughs> please proceed. <laughs> But I was absolutely elated. I I could not even believe it. It was amazing and wonderful. And I mean, just surreal. It was surreal.
0: <laughs> well, uh, this next question is going to be for all of my fellow podcasters mm-hmm. out there. So what exactly does your recording setup look like? What's your workstation? What type of gear are you working with? Could you just share oh, that? Yeah, with us?
1: I love these questions. No one ever wants to know this stuff, but I love this. <laughs> 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 so I use a... I use an Audio Technica BP40 broadcast microphone. I have I'm generally recording into my Zoom F8n audio interface. So it's very similar to like the the Zoom F6 and or I'm sorry H6 and you know H4 and all of that except it's uh, like an audio interface that sits it's designed to sit underneath the camera, but I like it because it's got mm-hmm. eight inputs. So if I want to Go somewhere and record multiple people. I have plenty of ports for that, but usually because most of the time when I record, it's just me and probably one other person, maybe two. Mm-hmm. I, I have an, a regular Zoom H6 that I use for that. I started off with a a Tascam 70D rec- uh, recorder that I still love mm-hmm. that I. And I'm honestly am much more comfortable with than my my Zoom recorder. It's a little bit clunkier to to carry around, but it was like, I think at the time it was like two hundred bucks, maybe like two hundred and fifty bucks. Whereas the Zoom recorders are generally around four hundred or somewhere close to that. Mm-hmm. I used that for a very long time, and I still have it. And honestly, I prefer it. I feel like it's a lot simpler, <laughs> but um, it's probably just because I'm accustomed to it. But I. Um, I use that sometimes. And then for sort of my running gun recording, if I'm outside, if I'm, um, not like at a table, cause the, the BP-40 is like a big hefty microphone. So mm-hmm. when I can't use that, so if I'm like, you know, on the street or moving or anything, I have a couple of Audio-Technica 875R shotgun mics that are great. Yeah. Okay. All
0: right. Noted. Gonna scroll that away for future use. Um. <laughs> Also, what type of social media strategies do you find work really well for The Color Girl Beautiful? Oh, so, like- I suck at social media. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll tell you what I do. I cannot, with any confidence at all, so- tell you what works. <laughs> um, but I'm happy <laughs> to share what I do. So I tend to schedule a post the same uh, day or sometimes the day after an episode goes out. I schedule opposed to Instagram, to Twitter, and to Facebook, it's usually the same image with like some tweaks to the language, of course, because of like character limits and things and links and things like that that are different for different platforms, but it's more or less the same message. I always use GIFs because I love them. (laughs) GIFs are (laughs) a a beautiful and familiar form of expression for me, so... (laughs) I have literally a bunch of saved GIFs of Black women uh, with various expressions. So I mm-hmm. pull from my GIF library and I, I usually post a post a GIF of a, of a Black woman uh, for the show. I also always include a GIF at the beginning of my newsletter. I am aspiring to be more consistent. I'm just not... I am... Technically a millennial, but I'm on the older end. I refer to myself as an elder millennial. <laughs> and so like the the social media stuff is just not as intriguing to me. So I, I have a really hard time getting myself to focus enough to to post outside of when an episode drops, although mm-hmm. I know that that's meaningful, and I really, really, really am trying to do better i'm I'm hoping to improve that per season two so that people hear from from the Color Girl Beautiful more often than like, hey, listen to this episode. I have also just generally found that I have more to say than just, you know, when when an episode comes out. And so I would like to engage in a meaningful way. There, there are some content creators that I follow who I think are, are really good at this. For as personal as my show is, there's a lot of me in my podcast, but Um, Mm -hmm. it's all about (laughs) me yeah there's a lot of me but I'm still like very uncomfortable just like sharing sort of everyday stuff I I think it's just like a mental block and a Mm -hmm. general lack of interest again I am an elder millennial (laughs) but I I do really enjoy having conversations with people about you know the types of things that are in the show I have these sorts of conversations in my day-to-day life I feel like I talk about the things that would make great you know, Instagram stories or posts or on Twitter or something, but I just I don't have it together enough to to make that happen because I'm just bad at social media. So, I, but I'm I'm hoping to to change some of that. I, I would like to bring some of my you know larger musings into my social media presence or the the social media presence of that of the show. I feel like I've I've done a lot of reading and like I said, there are other content creators that I follow who I think do really well with this and inspire me (laughs) to do better.
0: Okay. Well, so social media isn't your jam yet, but you are clearly promoting the show. I mean, you don't end up in the New York Times Mm -hmm. for nothing. (laughs) So what other promotion strategies have you been using? Well,
1: reaching out to be a guest on other people's shows. (laughs) Well, yeah, that works. (laughs) That's the idea. I've also been trying to pull together some press releases here recently. You know mm-hmm. reaching out to folks who produce podcast newsletters and just you know seeing whose eyes I can get in front of, whose ears I can get into that that might be able to help amplify the show i I really am trying to focus on growing the show's audience this season, so mm-hmm. hopefully there's there's more of that to come. Maybe in a few months I'll have a a more concrete strategy or more more sage advice. <laughs>
0: Okay, so what advice would you give to someone like me who's just starting out in podcasting? Like what advice would you give to a younger podcaster?
1: I would say to take your time. And, you know, I think if you, it, it depends on, on your goals, but I think if you really want your podcast to be successful, to make sure that you're you're taking the time to make it into what you want it to be. I feel like what I see a lot is people really rushing to get something out there, really pushing themselves to uh, get an episode out this week. And I've made that mistake. I, I had a show before that is, I say, eventually to return, but who knows? <laughs> but I I was so focused on like trying to get the show out that I, I wasn't making it what I wanted it to be. And I, I see that all of the time, <laughs> just just trying to put out content. And I don't wanna minimize the importance of consistency. Consistency will absolutely 100% help you grow your audience. But I think making sure that you're growing the the type of audience that you want and that you're doing the work that is important to you is just as important. And if it takes a little bit more time to do that, that's okay because you want to be proud of the work that you do and you want it to turn out. Well, you, you want it to be meaningful. So I, I think that's, that's important.
0: Well, thank you. I'll definitely take that yeah. to heart. All right. So we are at the end of our podcast. I have one more question to ask you. This has been lovely Aww, though. This has been really, wonderful. really nice. I was yeah, this- it too. Aww. Okay. So the last question is Asalika, you were clearly on your way. You're a shining star. You're shooting up. And so with all this going on, I just want to know, how will you know when you've made it?
1: Oh, that's a good question. How will I know when I've made it? I think, you know, for me, what I want is to, I want to be comfortable telling my story. When I feel like I've gotten to the point where I can tell my story without being ashamed of parts of who I am or, or apprehensive about being honest about the things that I've struggled with. That's when I'll know uh, I will have arrived. <laughs> that is something I feel takes a lot of practice and that I am not good at at the moment. I I want to be someone who Gives people the space to be their whole selves, and I would love to be an example by doing that myself and i'm I'm not quite there yet and so i once once I've gotten to the point where I've created enough and I've stepped out on that limb enough while also you know being mindful of the things that I want to keep sacred because i I definitely don't believe in like, exploiting mine or anyone else's experience for for notoriety or whatever. Um, but I, I do think it's important that, I mean, as humans in general, as women especially, and as Black women in particular, that we are able to own our stories. And I would love to be at that place where I can just you know, let go and love myself in spite of my, all of my flaws and, and I'm, I'm getting there, you know, therapy is, is really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I've come a long way in just putting out this show and I, I hope to continue on that path so that I can encourage others to, to do the same and to, I mean, everybody doesn't have to create a podcast about their, experiences of black womanhood but um, but just being free enough to own who we are and what we've been through even the bad stuff
0: well that is really beautiful yeah that's really that's really pensive that's so sweet So can you tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, you can find
1: me in all the podcast places, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, um, and any other place you can download a podcast. Also, I am on Instagram at Colored Girl Beautiful, Facebook at Colored Girl Beautiful, Twitter at CGB Podcast, and my website is coloredgirlbeautiful.com.
0: And that was episode nine of On Their Way, a WGC production. On Their Way was created, hosted, and edited by me, Jake Madison Scott. The theme was composed by Baggio Alvarado, and the logo was created by Amaka Corey. Please leave us a review and rating on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at withgoodco. And tell your friends to tune in next time. Word of mouth is king. (laughs) Wow. If you really like this episode and want to support us financially, consider buying our merchandise at our website, wgcproductions.com. That's how we keep everything up and running. You can also find this episode's show notes and transcripts at wgcproductions.com. If you are a podcaster like Asalika, those show notes can come in handy because we'd like to put in some resources to help you out on your journey to success. Alrighty, once again... Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you guys same time next week in our finale episode. Woo! woo. It's gone by so fast. And until then, remember, take care of yourselves.